You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matthew Baker, and I perform a comedy show at the Moisture Festival. And my name's Louis Fox. I'm a magician, and I perform at the Moisture Festival as well. And many other places. But that's the only place I perform. (laughs) Is one of the places you perform at. Exactly. If you're new to this program or the Moisture Festival in general, we will school you on exactly what it is. It's a four-week festival that celebrates variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. The 206. It's the the heart of the 206. (laughs) It's the largest festival of its kind in the world and hosts some of the best entertainers from around the world. All around the world. And it happens in the months of March and April. And not only do they have world-class variety acts like yourself, Louis Fox, they also have a week-long celebration of burlesque with burlesque-specific shows. Yeah, and 95% of shows at both venues sell out, so get your tickets now. And if you're not listening to this during the festival, there's also fundraisers and other shows that happen throughout the year, so check out moisturefestival.org for more information on that. Absolutely. And if you love podcasts like this, if you want some more of this, be sure to listen to all the Moisture Festival podcasts. If you can't get enough, Louie and I also do our own podcast yes. called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Where we chat about weird stories of the day. So check that out on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever you got this podcast. And in this episode, we interview the Seattle musician, a legend in the Seattle performing community, Mr. Jim Page. Yes, he's a folk singer, and he uh, is actually the guy that made it legal to street perform in Seattle. Yeah, we were lucky to have him and Katie in studio answering some questions, telling us about busking back in the day, and they played us a couple, couple cool, cool tunes. Yeah, a couple cool tunes. It was pretty cool. Yes. So let's get to the interview. All right. All right, folks, welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. We're very excited to have a performer that's been performing at the Moisture Festival for quite some time in studio. He's a folk singer, a songwriter, an activist. He was voted one of the 50 most influential musicians in Seattle history. We not only have Jim Page, we have his lovely partner, Katie, in studio in the basement. Welcome, guys. Thank you for coming. Hey, hi. This is awesome. So you are a legend in the Seattle performing community. Um, I've known about you since I've been here 20 years yeah. now. And so how did it all start? You're from Palo Alto originally. Yeah, born there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, yeah. Were, you was that the time that you were first sort of exposed to busking and sort of caught your eye in that San Francisco scene in the 70s? Well, really, that came along with uh, listening to folk music. Uh, I, I got turned on to music when I was like 15 years old. You know, I grew up in Cupertino. I was born in Palo Alto, mm-hmm. but I left when I was like a year and a half old, something yeah. like that. Grew up in Cupertino. And um, I ran across folk music, folk blues initially. It was what caught my ear when I was like 15 years old. And uh, there was a show on the radio called Hootenanny. We had Pete Seeger on there and Dave Van Ronk and 
you know, uh, um, you know, Joan Baez and just like everybody mm -hmm. was was on there. And I would listen to that. And then I started buying records and so on. And everybody talked about in the narrative of folk music was this thing called street singing, not busking, street singing. Mm -hmm. OK, uh -huh. Reverend Gary Davis was a street singer. You know, he had an album called Street Singer. You know, uh, uh, Sonny Terry played on the street. Everybody played on the on the street. So that was part of the of the language. But I never did it until I got to New York City. And I sat out in front of the Kettle of Fish in Greenwich Village in, um, in 1970 on a Saturday night, sat on a, on a milk crate. And uh, I just started, like, improvising lyrics. I, I discovered I could do that quite by accident uh -huh. one night in, uh, in, in Los Gatos, which is near where I was living, where I was growing up at the time. I discovered that I could... I, I could improvise, and if I didn't, if I didn't become self-conscious, I could actually make sense. You know what I mean? It's like what happens is besides just like scatting. Well, if you if you get self-conscious about it, then you edit yourself, and then you stop, and you think this is sounding oh yeah, of course. weird or something. Well, it's, weird is okay. It's when the flow is interrupted that that's when you get into territory that you don't want to go to. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. You don't want to hit those rocks. You want to keep going. So. You can keep going as long as you don't get self-conscious. So I discovered I could do that. So I sat out in front of the kettle of fish, and I, I just started a chord progression, and I started um, rhyming off of people's hats and coats oh, and nice. shoes and purses and everything, and I inst I would instantly get a crowd. I mean, like, instantly. So you're get, also, you're doing not really, like, ambient street performing, but you're doing it. You're building a crowd. No, it's hard to be an ambient performer. You're not an ambient performer. You're just ambient. <laughs> I mean, think about what you just said. You cannot be an ambient performer. If you're going to be a performer, you get attention. That's there not ambient go. anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was doing that on the street, and the problem was every single song that I knew, every way I played the guitar, everything I knew how to do was designed around small, quiet rooms, mm -hmm. usually my my bedroom. And you had done sh shows up to that point outside of well, your yeah, bedroom? Well, yeah, I, I played in bars and coffee. Okay. I never played in the street. Uh -huh. I didn't know how to be that loud. Mm -hmm. I had nothing that would work after that. Yeah. So I would gather a crowd, then I would stop. Uh. And then they would leave. And I would do it again and gather a crowd, and they would stop. And I thought, well, this is great, but I don't know what to do with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I literally didn't. And then when I got to Seattle, I, I, you know, I got to Seattle in 71, and um, there was one folk club in Fremont called the DMZ, and it closed. I played there like maybe twice, and it, it closed, and I was left with um, what initially seemed like a disaster and turned out to be the best thing that could have happened because if you turn the world right side up rather than upside down, the fact that one thing closed means everything else opened up. Yeah. Okay? So everything opened up, the whole town, everything, all mm. the pizza parlors, the bus stations, the university, everything opened up. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just didn't realize it right away. Once I started doing that, I learned how to sing louder. I learned how to write songs that were actually louder songs, and, and not just loud like volume, but like more energetic, more lively. Because mm -hmm. I was doing like band breaks, rock and roll band breaks. Uh -huh. That's how I met R.B. Yeah, because mm -hmm. he was in town with Rose and the Dirt Boys, and I was already playing the, the band breaks by the time he got there. In a band break, you got to go on stage. And you play the 15 or 20 minutes in between their sets. Oh, yeah. you got a five-piece electric rock and roll band with a drummer and a steel player and a guitar player and a bass player and a singer, right? Mm -hmm. Five pieces or four or six, okay? And you're one guy with a guitar that doesn't even plug in because we're talking like 72, So you're, so you're singing to the people. You're trying to get their attention. you got to have as much energy. Oh, man. Yeah. So how do you get as much energy? Well, that's what you got to figure out. Yeah. Everybody has different ways of doing it. Mm. I didn't do any tricks. I didn't do any... There was no show. I never dressed for anything. I didn't wear any gorilla suits or anything. I just did what I did. <laughs> and I figured I would do it by 
through language. And one thing I did for a while there was I asked the audience for three words. I want three words. Because with three words, you can basically have an adjective and a noun and a verb, mm -hmm. right, with three words. And they would throw words at you. And, and once you got your three, then you'd make a song with those three words. Mm -hmm. yep. And it could be just one verse. But th that involved everybody. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, they're interested. And if right. you're good at it, like... And I did that for a while. And then, you know, because I didn't have enough songs. <laughs> but then the more songs I got, then, you know, because that's, to be honest with you, kind of boring after a while for me. Gotcha. It was kind of boring because it just kind of keeps it on the Saturday Night Live um, entertainment comedy thing, which doesn't have much dynamic for me. I wanted more than that. So I... I learned from there and from singing on the street and especially at the University of Washington campus that if you sing about things that, that are affecting people's lives, they will stop and listen. Ah. If you don't, if you ignore them, why should they not ignore you? Yeah. Yep. Which is another part of that ambient thing. Yeah, yeah. If you want them to stop and listen to you, you have to be willing to stop and listen to them. Totally. So whatever is happening to them, and in those days it was... Uh, Vietnam, mm -hmm. you know, and it was a civil rights thing was basically winding down in yeah. some ways, but becoming more acute in others. There mm. was the Black Panther Party was was there, the Chicano student movement, the takeover of El Centro, all the stuff going on, you know, and a lot of war stuff because mm. you know, people were getting getting drafted and they were getting killed and coming back in bits and pieces. And people were scared and there was a lot happening. And I could sing about those things as long as I sung about it like I was one of them, which meant I had to be one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn who they were and what they were they were doing. And once you start singing songs like that, they start inviting you to events. It's it's a circle. You get this, course. this yeah, conversation yeah. Yeah, going yeah. with the world. See, so that's what I did. And I never even heard the words busking until sometime in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't like it. I didn't use it for you years. You don't like the word busking? I, yeah, I'm okay with it now. I shrug my shoulders. I don't really care. But, <laughs> I, you know, to begin with, I didn't because it made it sound like, it made it sound kind of snooty. Kind huh. of like, because what it yeah. is, is street performing or street singing, yeah. as I always thought of, is very democratic. You mm. get down to where everybody else is. If I, To my mind, this is just my reactionary sort of thing with it. Busking always sounded like I was elevating myself. Oh, really? And I didn't want to elevate myself. I wanted to go down to where they were. Yeah. If I go on stage somewhere, well, then I can elevate myself. Yep. Yeah, fine. If I opera house or something, mm. but you know, <laughs> sitting row five yeah, with a tuxedo, <laughs> yeah, band break in between the orchestra change. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the thing. Or at the opera, you know. The... Do you, do you still st street sing? Sometimes, not as much as I used to. Um, I don't. I certainly wouldn't go in some of the battle conditions that I used to to go into. I I love the playful aspect of it. Uh, for me, I, I I don't like to be be uh, held into you know a time frame like a lot of places where you go do that. They only want you to play X amount of time, and that makes me wander off and go somewhere else because I want to go. I call it fishing. I want to go fishing. Uh -huh. I want to just set up somewhere and just like play with people and see yeah. what happens. And I want to be able to relax with it, and take my time, and I can't do that if I'm looking at my watch. Yeah, if you have. 50 minutes and a 10-minute changeover. I mean, the way I look at it is, I mean, let's be honest. The way I look at it, if you're going to tell me how long I get to play and where I have to do it, you're going to pay me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to decide totally. this stuff. Yeah. Okay? Have, you, have you noticed a difference from like when you were street singing or street performing in like the 70s, early 80s in Pike Place Market to what it is become <laughs> today? Like has yeah. the attention level completely <laughs> changed? Like I don't know about that because the attention level depends on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of people that get ignored and plenty of people that get bit, get big crowds. Uh -huh. That depends on what you're doing. Gotcha. That's, that has what about for what you're doing? 
Well, I don't do it that much, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, I've always wondered know. the difference financially between then and now because people just don't carry cash like they used oh, to. Oh, that's a big yeah, deal. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, Katie and I were like like organizing buskers out at uh, Bumbershoot for a while mm, there, yeah. and that was a thing because people yeah. don't have cash. Yeah. Jim has, you know, he's like, I'll hear people will go to do an open mic or whatever, and and he's kind of known feather in his cap for actually legalizing busking in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. We it have, was, it we was have that. on the books. It was against the law. Anyway, so anybody that's like looking up busking, figuring out busking, how do they want to have quote ambient music or have busker style performers at an event or whatever? They'll often they'll like find their way to us, and, uh, and Jim produced was part of the the original group that put together Busker Fest down at the market. Yeah, yeah. And we had the 40th anniversary celebration in 2014, which was the 40th anniversary of Jim effectively legalizing busking, if you want to tell that story. Yeah, and that came out of you were threatened with arrest because you were performing somewhere. I was. I was playing on Lower Pike Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue out by out in front of Oliver's Meats right next to the International Donut Shop, you know. And I, I used to go down there and do that just to kind of keep my chops up because it wasn't worth more than a dollar and a quarter. Mm. You know I mean? It wasn't, you know, but this was... So 70... you could afford some Oliver's Meats. Yeah, or perform, donut. Go right well, this was 74 and I'd be playing all day. I would start out at the university like, or play <laughs> a lot. So that was basically, you know, just for fun and keeping my rhyming chops up and everything down there and one day this motorcycle cop he pulled over and he says have you got a permit no he says i want to see your permit i says i don't have one i kind of straight like i would do in those days i would stand a little bit taller and nod my head i would almost tip my hat but my hat would be on the ground Mm. kind of tip my hat and i'd say quite proudly i don't have one because he asked me i'm answering Uh and he says then i'll arrest you next time i see you i said i'll go get one he says you can't because you're not blind and drove off oh that's all he said So I thought, what up? So, you know, I mean, I could just mess around with this. A dollar and a quarter isn't worth, you know, messing with the law like yeah, that yeah, for. So yeah. I packed up everything really fast and I ran. And for some reason, I ran. I don't know why, but I did. I ran. <laughs> I ran to City Hall. I was on second. I was on between first and second on Pike and City Hall's on fifth and I don't know, Madison, something like that. I can't remember. But I, I ran there and I went inside and I. I, I found somebody, you know, in those days you could walk into buildings without metal detectors mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So I walked in, I found somebody and I, I told them what happened. Is this true? And they sent me to someone else who said, yes, it is true. There's, there, there are, you have to have a permit and it's only available for so-called blind for and disabled people. Blind people. Wow. Blind and disabled. Oh, okay. You know, huh. like in your wheelchair or something. Gotcha. So it was an old thing that was on the books and he would, would have been within his rights and he was in a bad mood to begin with. <laughs> the cop. Right? Yeah, yeah. So something had happened to him earlier and there I was. And I do know people that actually spent the night in jail because they messed with it. So you could do that. Gotcha. And I don't have anything against spending the night in jail, but I didn't go downtown for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went downtown to sing. So I kind of walked off scratching my head and getting, and then, you know, uh, I mean, why don't I have some fun with this? So I just, my first thing was I, I went into the, the mayor's office. <laughs> well, you just knocked I mean, on the door not, like, hey! You know, I went into the, <laughs> into the mayor's office and I said, you know, I'm going to change the law. And I told him what the deal was. I didn't talk to the mayor. I talked to the mayor's mm-hmm. secretary or something. And she sent me down. He sent me down to um, Randy Ravel's office. And Randy Ravel was the chairman of the Public Safety Committee. And street performing fell under the rubric of public safety. Uh, Think about that one for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, 
And he was great. I mean, Randy's still great. I, still around. We involved him at the 40th anniversary thing. Mm. The city council. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the city that's council awesome. gave me uh, um, a proclamation, you know, in observance of the 40 years of legalized. Mm. Uh, you got a key to the sidewalk. Yeah, Randy was <laughs> a city yeah. council member. And it was and during the era too. when different parks department, there was this sort of forward thrust movement where there was consciousness about public involvement so he was a, was and still is a real cool guy as an attorney and oh that's great well-educated enlightened person mm. and he yeah. supportive an of the arts yeah, yeah. Right. he gave me a special permit you know because we were going to work on this but in the meantime you know and this is in what was the permit the, that he gave the permit is the pain in the butt permit <laughs> no no it was to allow me to perform at any one of a small handful of city parks including the woodland park zoo oh wow and the freeway park and something else and None of them were anywhere that I would actually play. Uh. But he was working with me, so I was going to work with him. Mm -hmm. I was going to play at at least one of the... And so I played at the zoo. I'd go play. And I had my little dispensation thing. I would get in, and I would go play in from the monkey pool. And it was a blast, man. <laughs> I'd play with these people. You know, I would ha sometimes have nobody for an hour, and then I would get an audience. But the too. monkeys loved it. But it was just, yeah. you know, I could watch this world <laughs> go did. by thing. I, yeah. never, I never play in the zoo. Mm. I would never do that. Yeah. yeah. But here I was doing it because he arranged it. And the, and then we had a, um, you know, I got my people on the on the in the press. I had Rick Anderson at the PI, Dean Patton and Brian Hutton at the University Daily, and somebody in the in in the radio probably too. You know, I got as much press support. You got as some I people could. behind you. Right. Right yeah. behind me. And then we organized a uh, or Randy organized. An open city council hearing on the on this subject. This was before email or mailing lists. Now, was this something anyway. that was illegal in other cities too? Yeah, Did sure. they, uh, all across the United States, it was like this, or yeah, was it well, just? Yeah, no, it was like every a, place was different. But there were a lot of places we were not allowed to. Gotcha. There were a lot of places you were mm. not allowed to. So I made up hand. I made up flyers, eight and a half by eleven flyers. Jim Page live at city council chambers. Nice Tuesday. At, nice. Uh, you know, two thirty yeah. something like that, and I put them all around town in places where I played. So uh, the place absolutely the place was packed. And there was only one institution, only one person who was opposed. And I'll give you 10 seconds to guess who that one person or one institution would be. The motorcycle cop. No, no. <laughs> no, they didn't care. Who? The musicians union. <laughs> of course. And the rationale was, and this is beautiful, the rationale, and I'm not making this up. People playing music on the sidewalk would take money out of the pockets of symphony players. Mm. I don't see the no, logic. See Neither do I. Yeah. Somebody going to see Wagner is going yeah. to see me yeah. instead. <laughs> well, we were going to go to the <laughs> opera, but we saw Jim on the side of the street. And, yeah, and we stayed We got there. our fill. We stayed we got, there for three hours. <laughs> yeah. We loved anyway, how he rhymed hat with cat. <laughs> so it was, pa it was passed. It was made illegal, and it's legal to this day. And it's, Seattle has become a mecca for... Absolutely. You know, and you guys organized the first Busker Festival... Well, it's a, it was a volunteer-driven thing. Jim and Jim Hyde and yep. a whole bunch of other An people. An artist, a spoon yeah, man. Artist, a spoon man, and this conglomerate uh, cat herding expedition. I went to a couple <laughs> of the early meetings for the Busker Fest, and I helped in a little bit of a way. But they, it was all community-driven. <laughs> yeah. This one-day thing, everybody pitched in, you know, sweat yeah. equity kind of a trip. A little bit of dough, because Jim Hyde would traipse around and get sponsors. Yeah. 
And uh, so I think we, I was part of the first or second one. You were? Very yeah, possibly. with the brothers from different mothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. that's why I recognize yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Good to see you again. Yes. First yeah. one. But yeah, there was there was money. Yeah, I got a little side change. I think I did the one that was like six years ago. That was the anniversary. That was So that one was funded. We got some funding from the city of Seattle Department of Neighborhoods. You know, that was a pretty big cat herding expedition. Really fun. And um, we did things in other spots. We did things yeah. at the Seattle Public Library and Seattle Center. Yeah. And that was the sort of, that was after Jim Hind had passed. But yeah. it was, um, yeah, and there was a little bit of money for that too. So you were part of that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's awesome. I mean, to really sort of, and yeah. you, there is a Buskers Guild and is yeah. was, was well, my was, favorite shirt for a long time. The yeah. Pike yeah. Place Performers. Yeah, we formed it. The original, the original uh, formers of the, of the guild were myself and Jim Hind and artists. Yeah, and you know, then we we just kind of spread the, the the word around, and everybody came, and we and we wound up with a core of people, like maybe a dozen mm. or something like that. You know, but we we put on all those all those festivals until Jim died, and it just began the. That took a lot of wind out of the yeah. sails because he was the guy who had the organizational talent. Yeah. Okay, he could cross all the T's and dot all the I's, yeah. and nobody, none of us really cared. He has that personality that can go that in and part, get people to give you know? him money. Yeah, <laughs> for and a he cause. was down there. He turned busking at the market into his full time job. Yeah. He was very methodical about it. He really learned his craft mm-hmm. as yeah. far as he was really performing. good. Yeah, he, he was, was amazing. He was excellent. Yeah. And I didn't envision myself helping out with a continuous festival. I'm not a busker. It's a lot of work, and it has to be generated from the group at the market. And Jim tours a lot, and he's he goes down yeah. to the market, still loves the market. He's not really part of that anymore. But yeah. the, but busking across the country varies, you know. Like of course, New Orleans has had a scene for a long time. Yeah. A lot of people mm-hmm. from Seattle would mig- migrate down there and do have this there. sort of yeah. If you only do art for money then you're just doing commerce yeah i'm sorry yeah i'm really sorry that's not that's that's nonsense yeah that's total nonsense and if you only do it for free that's then you have a trust fund or (laughs) and that's nonsense also there's a middle ground in between where you do what i call fishing it's like where you swim in the people and in the paradigm and then you cast your line out and you do your because the main thing to do is to play with those people and to create something that only happens when they are there also. Yeah. Okay. You do it together. I do it with you. You're passing by. I do something to kind of like tickle your fancy, kind of make us together. Okay. I have to, I make a fool of myself first. That way nobody can make a fool of Uh me. I don't make a fool of you, but I make you laugh. I come with you. I'm there with you. I sit down next to you on the bus in my mind and say, hey, how's it going? In my mind. In reality, I'm on the sidewalk and you're passing by. But we become equals. And if I do that correctly and we become equals, your hesitancy dissolves Mm. and you want to become equals with me because that's a beautiful thing to do. So now we're equals. And that's how you start. And that's the beautiful thing. And, And what you try to do is you try to, I try to learn from you and let you learn from me. And we create something that wasn't there before. And maybe I can do a show, but it's not going to be pompous. It's not going to be superior. It's got to be with you. And then if you like what I do, you vote for me in the currency of the place. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. if that's one place, you give me a fish. If it's someplace else, you give me a $10 bill. Yeah. But you vote for me. You say, mm. yes, that's good. You that's that's what happens. Absolutely. It's a very special thing. If I'm doing an indoor gig somewhere, you're going to kind of vote 
for me, kind of like trusting it'll be worth it yeah, on the way in. Absolutely. I have to, I have to give ten dollars to go inside, assuming it's going to be as good as I think. Yeah, but you don't know, and if you don't like it, you probably won't get your money back. <laughs> the fish okay. is already eaten. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's you a just weird get bones and guts. Yes, they're both kind yeah. of weird. Yeah. I mean, but they're both different. They're not the same. They're not the same at all. Well, that's a beautiful way of describing exactly the relationship you have to build. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like the idea of you shouldn't do it for money. You got to go out there and give, give it, uh, give it to people for free and just you don't give it to them for free no you create a relationship well you're not giving something for free no, and you're not doing it for money it's neither one what i'm saying is going out and just creating a atmosphere in which you can give willingly you know maybe not freely yeah. but you know you're in a place where you're allowed to there is no expectation right. of right. commerce like right. you said no you know one thing, just to speak to the question of the difference um, in the states and, you know, our metropolitan areas versus Europe, whatever. At this time last year, Jim and I were in Ireland. He, he's toured there many times. And um, the tradition of busking in Ireland in neighborhood in the old squares and yeah. Galway and a temple bar, you know, it, it's been that has been going on pretty steadily, as in a lot of European cities where the, there's the square and they have respected it for a long time. There's a little more of a stranglehold now, but, you know, historic areas are still pretty accepting. One of our friends who was part of the originating group with the Busker Fest at the market lives in Galway now, which is a big busking city, you know, in in, uh, the west of Ireland. And just over the last couple of years, there's been a struggle with trying to sort of oust the buskers from the the walking area down Mm -hmm. by the Keys and everything. And Nicole's been fighting that, you know, and a lot of it is businesses saying they're taking money from us. They're gathering crowds. We can't control who these people are. Somebody might get up and they're really drunk and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's I think internationally in a lot of areas, it is more accepted. There are cities in this in this country where you cannot do it at all. Yeah, Europe. You know, there's a little bit of a more of a. You know, it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, areas yeah. of Paris, you can still do it pretty freely. I busked in in Ireland in Temple Bar. It was really fun and easy, but a little bit weird. There's cameras everywhere and stuff. But anyway, hmm. it's yeah. I think that it's. I don't know why businesses would be uh, against it. You know, well, it's I, like you. Keep, it keeps people there. It brings people yeah. there to come and come and. See we a lively go, atmosphere. This could, maybe be a whole, show. this could be a whole. I know a lot about this just from working with the city of Seattle on a couple of different things. There's some things in Seattle, like when you're looking at Westlake, you look at Occidental Park, you look at different areas of Seattle that are that are uh, have businesses that pay a lot of rent and they pay for private security and they do a lot of different things that they. So there's ownership amongst the the business owners, where they feel that they need a voice in what happens there. The city of Seattle has determined for many years, for probably 15 years, that busking and having a presence there can be sort of deterrent to crime. And it it, it engages people. It gives a yeah. more of a homey atmosphere. So the Parks Department in Seattle has a program where they register. They do a like kind of a loose audition process of mm-hmm. buskers. Oh, that's cool. They pay a little stipend. Nice. And, and then there's... So and they allow modest amplification. There's also one of the things that happens that in that respect that can be a little sticky is then if somebody like Jim or whoever, a little kid or whatever, shows up and says, "I want to play now," then the parks department 
isn't really authoritarian about it, but they have on occasion said, but this is happening now, you can't do it. In theory, that is illegal. That person should still be able to go over to the other corner of the park and do it. There's been a little bit of sticky wicket in that respect. Also, they've contracted a couple of people to book artists. Um, There's one company that works out at the the airport. You'll yep. see professional musicians out at the airport. It's strictly musicians at this point. Yeah, that's, that's a that's, that's a, really cool. a private company that's very well compensated, very well compensated for doing for contracting that work out at the out at the airport. So when people come through the gates, there's various musicians, yeah. musicians. That play which is which is great. It's terminals. wonderful. Um, Port of Seattle is owned by us. It's a private contract. This entity is very well compensated for booking that. Mm-hmm. And there, there's some stuff with that. There's a lot of things. Yeah. That, there's a lot of places opening up in Seattle now with the, the waterfront being developed that are great busking opportunities. They're not going to be open to everybody because they're going to be very programmed because there's going to be controls over who does. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to stop talking now, but there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot that can be discovered well, about is this. It, I mean, for you being involved in... It busking becoming yeah. uh, something that's legal now in Seattle and the, from the seventies when it wasn't. Is it? Do you take pride in like hearing stuff like that where the Parks and Rec now have a, create a space that people can get compensated? Or? I don't because that doesn't have anything to do with busking. That's a tip gig, and mm. that's not busking. Gotcha. Busking means I go out there and I take a look around. I decide oh, I'm going to try this for and I go try try it out, and then I well that's it. This isn't working, or it is. I'll say. It's not where you show up at such and such a time. Yeah. Yeah. And then when such and such time is over, you're gone. That's not busking. Mm. That's a tip gig. Mm. You know, and it's being booked and it's being managed by somebody that you may or may not even see. And you don't know how much they're getting off of what you're getting. And, you know, it's just kind of, yeah, it's it's a bit of a can of worms. But it's not busking. It's part of the machine at that point. Right. (laughs) We live in, yeah, it is part of the machine. The machine is is, is in motion behind the scenes in Seattle in terms of the, hey, look at this cool busking. They're using the word, but that's not what it is. Well, because busking is always one of the, in, in a lot of variety entertainment, is one of the ways you kind of get your... Your practice, you go from being a beginner to intermediate or whatever. You, you kind of get your hours in performing. Right. And if you have to audition and you're horrible, where do you get those hours? Right. No, exactly. Exactly. Robin Williams, you could see by what he did on stage that he learned how to do that in large part anyway by busking in front of the Safeway store in San Francisco mm-hmm. because he played with people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He played with them yeah. from the stage. He became de- it was very democratic. Yep. And that's the point. Well, yep. actually, the Moisture Festival, I would think that a lot of the performers that populate the stage there have some background in busking. Well, and that's yeah. one thing from doing <laughs> these interviews is most of them, it, they weren't like, I turned 18, went to circus school, and now right. this is what I do. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I was going to say, I, I had absolutely no plans for anything when it came down to it, except one thing I was going to say, which I think is important when you're talking about Moisture Festival. It's the only festival that I'm aware of, that I've been to, where there is very little difference between the people on stage and people off. There, I mean, there really isn't. There, 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 it's very... You mean the audience? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. very much on the same level. Yeah, and I, I agree. You know, and well, that, that's beautiful. So. We've talked with um, some of the planners on the podcast where I've worked so many events where the, the volunteer staff are on a different level than the performers. And it's very... Everyone is on the same – whether it's the person, yeah. you know, the the custodian, the whatever. Right. We're all – we all right. eat the same food. We all hang right. out in the same spot. 
And that's beautiful. Yes. I'm sorry. That's beautiful. I, I'm not sorry. That's beautiful. <laughs> and you you wrote a song specifically for the Mush Festival, right? Is that true? I did. I don't know. Did I swear I heard you play it once? Yeah, oh, I he, probably he made, probably it made it up. Made oh, you made. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> What's what rhymes with moist? What's the? I don't know. Foist. If you're from Brooklyn, I don't know. Hoist. Foist upon. Foist upon. Hoist. Now I just want. I just listened to that song, Collateral Damage, that you wrote. Oh yeah, yeah. It was amazing. So some of your songs have been covered by other artists, right? Right, like I, the Doobie Brothers. The Moving Hearts, Leftover Salmon. Right. Now, right. how does that work? Do they approach you? Do you perform with them and then they like one of your songs or do they hear your music somewhere and then they approach you and say, it's, hey. For me, it's never happened on purpose. I never saw anybody out. Uh-huh. I sort of did. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Except um, for that one time. <laughs> the Doobie Brothers, I played little coffee houses and hung out and got stoned and stuff with Pat Simmons years ago mm. down in California. We were, we were friends. We were in the same circle. He went off to the Doobie Brothers. I went off to New York City. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was a guitar instrumental that I played that he liked. He learned it. Mm-hmm. It's a guitar instrumental. He couldn't remember the name, so he gave it another name. So, but whatever. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a confusing sort of a thing. Yeah. But that's my song. It's on the Captain and Me. And so that was cool. That happened. And then a few years later, I'm in Ireland. I'm at a festival somewhere. I find out they've got a really strong anti-nuclear movement. Uh, and that one of the key political singers in the country is Christy Moore, and he's there at the festival. And so I engineer myself to get an encore. I just kind of cross my fingers. <laughs> so if I get an encore, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do this this anti-nuclear song of mine. And I did get an encore, and I did the song, and he came up to me right afterwards. He said, I got to learn that song. So I, oh, ended, wow. I kind of, cool. I wanted that to happen, but he yeah. didn't, I didn't su- you know, search him I mean, that, that's got to be pretty, like, an honor for someone that you respect and like to come up and be like, I love your music. I would like to... You know, or is that sort of like, hey... I, did, I didn't know who he was. I knew, <laughs> him, I knew him only by reputation. I knew him only by reputation. We became okay. friends afterwards. Christy Moore is one of the most solidly intentional musicians I've ever met in my life. He knows what a song is. The song is paramount. What the song does is paramount mm-hmm. in his life. The quality of the song itself. I mean, he's an amazing character, and I've never met anyone else like him. Wow. So you have 22 albums, 23 if you... Count the live footage from the city council. For <laughs> 24 if you count the fake uh, Moisture Festival single. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you were also in a band, an electric band, because I've only ever seen you perform acoustically, right. but you did play electric in a band right. called Zero Tolerance. Right. We were good, too. Well, yeah? Yeah. Would, were your fans like disappointed that you switched to electric? No, man. That's just 30 years ago. Nobody had gray hair yet. Oh, okay. right. it, was, it was fake. No. Um, <laughs> No, they weren't. I mean, some people, of course, but somebody's always yeah. disappointed in something. But as know? an artist, you got to keep progressing. You keep you trying to well, do fun, stuff. Man, I mean, I'm from California. I went to Winterland all the time. Yeah. I didn't go see little folk singers at Winterland. I mm. went and saw Jimi Hendrix mm. and The Doors yeah. and stuff. I mean, you know, oh, come on. So it, it was really fun. And, and I played all those band breaks, which means the songs I was writing in those days had electric guitars in them. Yeah. Even though you couldn't hear them, they were there. Uh, and drum kits and basses and everything, they were there. That's where the energy uh, was. So it was, a, it, it was a natural thing to do, but nobody had any business sense at all. And it finally just kind of died of its own, you know, ineptitude. You yeah. Say. But we were really good. We were really it's good. easier I, to manage one person than five, right? Yeah. Or, I've got a new thing I'm, I'm doing now. I'm going into, into the studio in about a month and a half, something like that, to record with uh, six or seven other other musicians, and the core is a little ensemble. We just played last night. A beautiful, I mean, really, really beautiful. I think. Cool. I think. Orville Johnson plays all kinds of 
guitars and slides and dobros and things. And uh, Dune Butler, who is often in the uh, Moisture Festival band, mm-hmm. uh, he won't be this year, but he's uh, often is. He plays bass, upright bass. Me, of course, and Joel Litwin, who is a fabulous jazz drummer from from Bellingham. He's what, what's from the name of this? Detroit, is this just you? Just you with, with some? Yeah, backing? it's impatient friends right yeah, now. That's you know, great. Whatever you want to call it. That's yeah. awesome. So and that will be album number twenty three. Album twenty three or twenty four, whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> and we're going to record at Billy Oskes, and Billy comes down. Oh. He comes up to Moisture Fest cool. often, nice. and I think he's going to come up and play with me this year. That's <laughs> and so. Had, were you at the very first Moisture Fest? No, I wasn't. I I knew it was happening, but no, I wasn't. It w- it would happen in a big top tent down there in Fremont. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I went in and said hello to everybody because I knew everybody. <laughs> I volunteered. Oh, yeah. you did? Yeah. At the very first one? Yeah. That's amazing. Did was... you demold the tent? Well, it was <laughs> it was kind of like, from what I recall, I know that Ch- it was Chumley's yeah. tent. Yeah. And um, so Chumley was active at the Oregon Country Fair. And it was, so, you know, it was this happy accident, bunch of layered co- things, yeah. where, you know, that, that propelled it. And I remember the Chumley's tent, and I remember helping in, in, at this table outside, and it was cool. It was what it was, and then I started volunteering when it moved into Hales, and... Still the table outside. We didn't have our little volunteer, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there was no bathrooms. There were sandy cans, and it was, you know, and then mm-hmm. every year it, it's just built momentum. More. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, and it's like it's one of the – I volunteered doing a lot of different – with a lot of organizations, the food bank and different mm-hmm. things, and that is my – Oh my God! I get to do this again, kind of thing. Uh, it's so much fun. Yeah, and the volunteer pool has expanded. I mean, they have like two hundred fifty people. Well, some of the volunteers are as big of personalities. Yeah. in the festival. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's so neat. Yeah. It's it's just unbelievable uh, joy to be part of it. And like I do the box office, and from year to year, I'll even see I'll see kids that have grown eight inches, mm. and then and then they they come with their juggling gear and stuff like that, and they've, they 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 get inspired by Moisture Fest and then they go to Sanka for the summer camp and then yeah. they come in and they know how to do stuff and they're like, you know, juggling and doing things while they're waiting in line and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I say often on this in our interviews how lucky we are that it's in our city. Yeah. You know, that all these diverse performers come and people get a chance to see some cr- really amazing cool. stuff. It's really cool and it's an ex- the accessibility of the price, I mean, is because of so many people volunteering to do yeah. this stuff in a professional manner totally. that that you know a theater production would be paying equity or whatever yeah. it's like yeah. there's some things you got to have a pro at the helm and then a, a, the wellspring of volunteer makes it so that you can go see this great stuff for 20 bucks it's yeah well, and, and if you want to get involved you can go to moisturefestival.org <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. go to the contribute well, or go tab. to the jobs go to jobs as well. it's what's contributing the jobs yeah contributing yeah. jobs and then there's it's a well, and, and the fact they have quality acts that people they can lean on to That's come true. in and just yeah. you know write moisture festival songs <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or not yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want to take up all your time, but if you brought your guitar and we have an instrument that I don't know I was what, hoping this, you'd ask. what what this it looks like it looks like a UFO. It's, it looks like a UFO. It's from I got it at Goodwill a week ago, and for some reason I'm a savant on it. It's and amazing. It's 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 like a. It looks like something Indiana Jones would put on a on a thing <laughs> to steal the idol. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's real cool. It's it's basically kind of a metal tongue drum, and it plays in one key, and it happens to be the key of this song. This is great. So we're just going to, this is our first musical performance. So I'm very excited. We'll let you take it away. Okay, see how this works.
words enough to say how a world like this could die away, how reason falls on deaf ears. Truth dissolves and disappears, and the clocks are counting down to zero. They warned us years ago. People laughed it off, said, "What do they know?" And we went our separate ways to find a future facing the end of the line, and the clocks are counting down to zero. Now the weather stumbles, forest burn, past the point of no return. Corporation money thrives. While the refugees look for a place to survive, and the clocks are counting down to zero. History walks the plank. Its eyes are flat. Its face is blank. The melting ice, the rising sea, a redder sun than used to be, and the clocks are counting down to zero. I know people who live in trees. And who chain themselves to machineries? Who risk their very life and limb to face the dangers coming in? And the clocks are counting down to zero. The thunderclap, the black snake. In times like these, you do whatever it takes. Wherever a line is drawn, for the people and the land that they live on, and the clocks are counting down to zero. Fear for children, I see, and I don't blame them when they look at me, as if to say, "How could you?" I was depending on you, and the clocks are counting down to zero. I woke up in a sweat last night. Whatever it was didn't suit me right, but I took a look around to see millions more just like me, and the clocks are counting down to zero. Resistance goes from hand to hand, for the air 
the water, the people, the land. Tomorrow is born from the seeds of today. And we are going that way. And the clocks are counting down to zero. What's the appropriate response in the basement? Of, uh... <laughs> if we have to give him 10 bucks. <laughs> that was real. This is cool. Isn't that beautiful? That was the perfect yeah. matching. Is that a new song or is that? Oh, that's, uh, I don't know, six months old, something like that. Okay. I wrote it in San Francisco. So, yeah, in July. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping you would say, why 2K? <laughs> why not 2K? <laughs> <laughs> that song actually is getting legs. You're talking about Christy. Well, Christy's doing it, yeah. Yeah. And our, our, what Jim's Christy Moore is, is actually doing it in Ireland, so it's getting oh, some wow. legs. Oh, wow. The, the, the climate movement is, yes. you know, it's super important. Yeah. And Clearly, you do socially conscious art. <laughs> well, you know, you could say that, but that, okay, finish it, finish it. Obviously, that's a choice, but is that just your way of relating to people? Like you had mentioned earlier, that that's your versus. I'm going to relate to you through a funny hat, or I don't understand the question. I've never understood uh, the question. Okay, I want, <laughs> I want to, I want to turn it around, and I want to ask well, somebody I, else. Why don't you do songs about something other than yourself? Yeah, so or, I, or I your was, funny hat. I was going to ask you that, like growing up, like the music from the '60s, the '70s, like they they seem to have significance like a lot of the songs were about something important there's a movement that was happening and today i feel like a lot of the music that i hear doesn't have it's me 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 yeah well hip-hop kind of changed that hip-hop came along and started doing songs about us 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 Mm -hmm. but other than that yeah um i mean the bands i listened to were like the jefferson you ever listen to jefferson airplane yeah yeah i mean hello this was a rock band yeah okay you know and they were that was like dangerous almost Mm -hmm. what they did you know the doors that everybody did something Everybody, everybody did something. The way I like to explain it, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's, in my memory it is. Everybody did at least one song, at least, and usually like five or six, that had something to do with what we were all facing. Mm-hmm. Ah. Because we were all facing something. And if you didn't, you were almost shunned. Mm. People just kind of stayed away from you because you were a cop or you were you know, just some rich college kid that didn't have any understanding of the real world or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, you certainly wouldn't wind up in the same parties everybody else did yeah. because mm-hmm. we were in trouble. You know, and, and I never forgot that. I never forgot that. I, I, I never forgot listening to Woody Guthrie, the, in, the huge, broad swath of reality that he covered. Yeah. And I've come to, in my... In my later years in life, I've come to explaining it like this. If you can talk about it, 
then you can sing about it. Uh, and if you just spend an afternoon walking around and listening to what people talk about, looking at the papers to see what's in the papers, listen to the radio, what's on the... Yeah, there's a lot of me, 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 stupid stuff, but there's also a lot of Trump. There's a lot of climate. There's mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, war. There's a lot of all this stuff. And if they talk about it and sing and, and, are, and are concerned about it, then you have an obligation to be one of them and to sing about it. Yeah. So uh, rather than ask me why I do, ask people that don't why they don't. Next uh, time you interview so, somebody who doesn't sing any songs at that, ask him, have you ever, why don't you sing it? Don't even preface it with anything. Just yeah. come out and say, why don't you sing songs about what's going on? Do you think that's specific yeah. to music or do you think all art should have some sort I don't know. of... I mean, music, I don't know. Every, every Everybody, music, I think, is a specially non-political art form mm. as far as that goes. I mean, novels cover everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, novels is like, you know, but 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 novels don't make people dance and dancing sells drinks and brings in a lot <laughs> yeah, of money yeah. and so on. It's a it's a money thing. Mm. It's a money thing. You know, songs with, that have content are interesting to me. And, you know, people will say Jim's a political singer songwriter, but he has lots of songs about lots of things. Yeah. You know, the, some of the stuff that sticks out because he's really good at putting together a song that has content that's about things in the world. That isn't a didactic bunch of listen to me. I I got a lesson to teach. He he knows how to deliver it. He knows mm -hmm. how to to meld together a really good melody, a good totally. narrative to identify with it. It's hard to be good at something like that. And a lot of people, singer songwriters, are you know they're imbued in themselves. They're dyed in their own wool, and they have a little bit of a fear of alienating anybody. And so and you know fear. And I mean, in this country, we're like don't talk about politics mm. or religion or money or blah blah blah. We have somebody don't talk about it bullshit things. Yeah. Um, you know, so and I, I'm interested in things and, and anybody that I know that really likes music doesn't say I don't want to hear about that. By the same token, I, I want to see joyful things, too. I don't care if somebody has a really good art form and it doesn't touch on anything that is topical and they're real good at it. Cool. Mm. You know, it is what it is. It's. I hate saying that, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I struggle with that as for my performance, you know, because, you know, I... I perform a comedy juggling right. show and it doesn't tackle any sort of significant topics that really affect people's mm -hmm. life on a day-to-day -day basis. And I struggled with that all the time where it's like, how can I be more prevalent and speak to what well, people are yeah. going through? And I feel like I'm missing an opportunity sometimes. Well, in my sometimes when I'm at Moisture Fest, I know that Moisture Fest has a function to let us pause from some things that are just really in your face reality-wise. That's, that's true. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of like that. I like yeah. eight minutes of, holy shit, I'm mesmerized by this um, this person doing the well, weirdest the, thing. Well, the escape mm. has yeah. a value. Exactly. That's a, that's it's not escape if you are creating a space where people who don't know each other, who would ordinarily cross the street to avoid each other, actually enjoy each other's company. Right. That's, yeah. not, that's not escaping. That, yeah, that's a very valuable thing that you do. Yeah. And okay. what happens in between the sets and what happens with the people being sitting so close together and, you know, live performance, there's yeah, nothing beautiful. like it. Yeah, yeah. that's nothing a good point. Like yeah. It. Well, and one of the things with all the Moisture Festival shows being different is yeah. we all were in this whatever 90 minutes together that's never going to happen anywhere exactly. else in the world. Yeah, it's so it's it's this Petri dish of, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And in, and in between, like, I find as a volunteer that I get this like. I get this crazy quilt of memories, and, and when I fall asleep after Moisture Fest, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like thinking about it. I'm like thinking about stuff, and there's like stuff going on in my head, and and you know Tim and these other people they put together a show where 
things are next to each other that complement in a real weird way. Yeah. You don't always know what the recipe is, but it, they complement in, in an interesting way. And there's this conclusion thing that happens and, you know, this joy and fellowship. It's like nothing mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's just amazing to have you in you guys in here. Yeah, like, thank you for a, coming out. Yeah, I feel like we should end. Should we end with another song? Or I, it's not every day we have I'm Seattle legends it. in the in the basement. Can you hear that enough? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, this fits. I hope it's all right. When I was dyslexic, I lived in a town where all of the language was floating around. We ate with our fingers off platters of grass and took in strangers when they ran out of gas. Oh, I was thinking in pictures I had fun with my words. Cattle and zebra in high-flying herds. And if they never came down, it was more than I cared. Because I was dyslexic, we were everywhere. When I was dyslexic, I couldn't be cool. It was flimsy and weird to be kept after school. With my tongue on the ironing board of the law, I was permanent pressed until I fit to the flaw. Oh, it passes in phases like phases will do, and my language constructions eventually grew. My spelling's still whimsical, but isn't it all? The words are like a water flowing over the falls. Now I'm no longer dyslexic, at least most of the time, but I lapse when it suits me to spice up a rhyme or to stay out of reach of the language police. Life is too short for that kind of caprice. But try to correct me, well, good luck with that. I've avoided the experts, the profs and the frats. I say what I see and I see what I say and I also wear glasses because I like it that way. Oh, the rules of reality are slippery thin And there's more than one way for a cat to get in Try to enforce such an obvious sham And we'll laugh on the language you don't understand We'll laugh on the language you don't under, don't understand Yeah, we'll laugh backwards We'll laugh upside down Ah! Yeah! I love it. Want to do Who's World? Yeah, do you want to do sure. one? Sure. Did you say you had, there was a name for this thing? Um, there's a piece of paper in the case that I got it that calls it a hoppy, H-A-P-I. Uh, but it's like this, these guys that, you know, were into tongue drums and met steel drums. They kind of, it's some, you know, hippie drum guy yeah. made up this thing. <laughs> And I guess you can get them in a whole bunch of different keys, which okay. that'd be pretty heavy to carry around. This to carry around a bunch of so them. It, it looks like maybe a eight-inch in diameter UFO. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the, and the, the, the depth of these different cuts make the different tones. And the ones that are different keys are different sizes. And, you know, 
And and you know what? You could do this song and sound as good as me. It's kind of like <laughs> I doubt that. Everybody's a Samoan. <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not a percussion player at all. Time, let's hear the happy solo. Yeah, the happy solo. <laughs> It's like it's, it's like, like a return from intermission sound. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. the show's about to begin. <laughs> sound. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. playable wind chime. <laughs> right. It can do other things. I don't know. I don't there, there's the wind chime right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's called. This song's called "Whose World Is This?" And uh, it's, it, it's uh, I, I wrote it 30 years ago or something like that. Whatever it was, but it's one of the hardest songs to play that I've ever written. It's like, and it was intentionally hard to play. It's so hard to play that I didn't play it for years. <laughs> but it's really cool. And it works with this. It works with what Katie does. Great. Look 
Thank you for coming in and finding it. And if you want to find more information on Jim, jimpage.net, you have all sorts of all your shows you list on there, correct? Yep, they're all on there. Yeah. And you can buy. There's merch. Well, there's there's CDs. I was going to say there's merch, but you know, there's CDs and there's there's pictures and there's videos and yeah. there's stories. There's a lot of great of stuff. stuff. There's yeah. a blog that people can read about some of your stories. And my last question is: Can you get the cassette tape of you and artists that you release? That doesn't exist anymore. Or? It does not. It ah, does not exist man. anymore. There's a couple. Of, we have a couple of copies in the archives. Okay. Yeah. But um and. Jim and Artist made an album at Jack Straw called Folk Punch, which is actually really good. Yeah. I don't even know if there's any of those left. Yeah, there are those. There are those. Those are yeah. still around. Yeah, yeah, it's real cool. Okay. Um, it's great because it, it it has Jim Artist supporting Jim Artist doing lead stuff with Jim. You know, it's a real. Cool, it's called Folk Punch. Awesome, nice. Right. Yeah. And you get and can you get that on your site, or is it you have to go it's... to the deep dives? Of... I'm not sure. My site leads you over to Bandcamp, where okay. I have uploaded most of my stuff. You know, for awesome. digital downloads, yeah, yeah, of and, and and then I'm not sure if that one's up there or not. It's, it's like you know, I'm not the world's greatest businessman. Yeah, I imagine people are now. The... I'm a hell of a dishwasher. <laughs> you you can get it. You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> Right, and I think he found it. <laughs> he found it right there. <laughs> that was the first thing that came out. Well, the, fir- the first folk, folk punch I'm after clear my browser that? history. That's another song. <laughs> we'll go there later. What's the reviews on Amazon for folk punch? Um, there may not be. Um, there are no reviews. Yet. Oh man, we'll be the first one. Okay, good. Do that. Do that. Do that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in and playing. We really appreciate it, and for being part of the Moisture Festival all these years. Oh, thank you. Well, she's been more of it than I have, but. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you. to both of you. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. So Jim Page and Katie, mysterious last name. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you, guys. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's.com and Matt Baker's site comedy stunt show.com spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled yes 
And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.